I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands on the personalised pyjamas, who is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the chocolate hampered, who is... Philippa Hall. And the last part of Jade's birthday offering, folks, is you are lovely listeners. This week's Dumpty Dum is from me on the wah, 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 wheels <laughs> of steel. Doing a remix styly on this week's episode, we hear views from Josh... Glyn, Jane, Isabel, Melly, and Debbins. Now, Philippa, how's the week been? How's the Easter been? Oh, it's been very good. Although I have to admit that I'd said to the kids, you cannot eat your chocolate Easter eggs until after lunch on Sunday. But I was sitting there on Saturday and just thought, oh, I really, really need some chocolate. So I, <laughs> I went, crept in and got, I'd got like these um, wrapped chocolates. So I started eating them. But then I realized, you know, I couldn't let the kids see that I'd eaten them. So I had to try and rewrap air. <laughs> so it looked in the box that uh, these chocolates were, were still intact. And then, of course, I had to pretend that I was eating them on Sunday and having a lovely time. <laughs> served me right for being being very very greedy how was your easter quiet uh but nice but i was full of cultural joy on saturday because what i did is i found in oakland one of i think there's like three west indian shops in oakland ah. I, I definitely know of two and then i've heard i've heard stories of a third but i've never actually uh bumped into it and i went round there People were queuing outside of the shop. Okay, half that was COVID restrictions, admittedly. But still, it's only a small shop. 
and the just it was just like it was lovely because it was I bought myself some bun and cheese and I know you're married to a Jamaican so you'll all you'll know about a bit of bun and cheese and the people were queued up to get their bun and cheese and it was black people speaking with West Indian accents with Jamaican accents I was like oh I feel like I'm back home in Birmingham in England because all the black folks over here all sound like rap stars and whatever you know, all speak with American accents. So it was a little slice of Jamaica in the middle of Oakland and had my bun and cheese and it was just lovely. Oh, it's Easter. So I told my mum and uh, I got some bun and cheese. She was all happy, toasted it, bish, bosh, bang, it was Easter. And then I had a Cadbury's cream egg as well. So even though I was in the middle of California, it was a proper English Jamaican Easter. So, So thank you for that. Fantastic. Well, my husband always says bun and cheese and fly a kite at Easter. That's what you do if you're Jamaican. Philippa, it's time for caller in us. But if somebody would like to send us in a dum-de-dum or call us, how can that be done? Well, if you would like to sing or play us a dum-de-dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us or leave a message on SpeakPipe on dumdedum.com on the website or leave a WhatsApp note to 07957 167696, which if you're outside the UK is double four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six point of correction you might need to put a plus before the 44 but anyway whatsapp voice notes are free Mm, no 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 listen i know i know our dum-de-dummers are quite an educated lot but they take us at our word so they will just like zombies, like automatons, just like, you know, just like be typing in four, four, seven, nine, five, seven, one, six, seven, six, nine, six. And then they go, oh, it's not going through. And then blaming you, Philippa. So I'm telling you, good dumpty dumbers, put a plus before the 44. What a- <laughs> Hello, Ambridge3962. To show the international nature of Dum De Dum and to show and to prove the point that you need the plus, because I don't know, right, Josh, I don't know how big Josh is on international dialing, but he's from the Pacific Northwest. So you've got to spell these things out, Philip. Spell them out for people. This is Josh from the Pacific Northwest calling in to talk about our friend, the normally solid and reliable Adam. We haven't heard much of him in the last couple of months, and what we have heard has been against type. His performance at the baby shower with Kate was frankly ridiculous, but we can excuse it as having been shoehorned in for drama with a capital D to serve Alice's plotline. Obviously, he remains oblivious to the realities of what's going on for her. It is surprising, though, that he has not picked up on the frantic everything-is-fine act that Alice put forward when they were job-sharing. Shouldn't he have had a lot more messes to clean up, like the grain contamination? I hope that it is Adam that is able to put the pieces together. But generally, the scriptwriters like to keep the Ambridge men emotionally clueless and inobservant, so I doubt it. That said, I do predict he will be one of the most practically useful family members once it does come out. Kate's suggestions are just going to be awful. With regards to the odd interactions about money between Adam and Ian, I am unsure of what to make of this. I suspect it is setting us up for Ian to restart his career, even if it means changes to their life. I may have lost track, though. He is technically still on leave, even if there is not yet much to go back to, right? 
Finally, my implausible plot prediction is that Home Farm will be taken up by an England edition of This Farming Life, and the producers will keep awkwardly discovering the fault lines in the extended family, much to the amusement of the viewers at home and as a commentary on the downsides of reality programming. Thanks for all. Cheers. Oh, Brilliant, Josh. And I'm sure Josh would know to put a plus if he was leaving a message. Thank you very much. But anyway, back to Josh and his marvellous comments. So, yes, I would love a reality show uh, based on on The Archers. I just think that would that would add another layer. And we've got time because we're missing some episodes a week. So I think that would be great. Ian's work. Yes. Is he on leave? I think he's uh, sort of furloughed quite a lot of the time. So in the UK at the moment, that means that you get paid, I think it's about 80% of your earnings if when you're not working. So he's working a little bit, but but not that much, hopefully more soon. Um, and I love this observation about um, male characters and uh, emotionally clueless. I was just trying to work out which of the characters um, have a clue emotionally. Royfield Robert Snell. <laughs> well, my I wrote down every um, male character and the, the sort of, I was wondering, now you're, you're going to have an issue with this, Josh and Ben, Archer, um, Alistair, Jim, Freddie, Robert. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Freddie has got much more of an emotional antenna than people give him credit. Yes, uh, these are the ones that I think do. Oh, sorry, sorry. So yeah. you're saying Josh and Ben. Well, Josh. Like, these have got more than their father anyway in comparison. Josh. In comparison. Yeah, no, 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 we're not Josh bashing, remember. I formally started the Josh is not as bad as you think he is part of whilst, whilst I agree he's not as bad as people make out, He's not Mr. Social Empathy. Come on. You can't have that. He just hasn't demonstrated it externally yet, but I know. <laughs> In other words, he doesn't have that character trait. Yeah, so go on. You're moving down your list. Go for it. So Josh and Ben, um, mm-hmm. Alistair and Jim, I thought uh, they Well, no, I, I think isn't Jim somewhat late to the empathy party? He's been buttoned up his whole life down to childhood abuse, forward slash, um, the, the, you know, the social mores of the time that he grew up in. So I'm not going to give you Jim, though mm. he's getting better. Yes, okay. Alistair, will you give me that one at least? Alistair Lloyd, hmm. Yes. Okay, thank you. Freddie and Robert? Oh, I, I t- well, though, come on. I've, I've bigged up those pair already. Yeah. So those okay. are utterly in the um, you know, empathy pile. And I've got three more for you. Harrison. I can't actually oh, believe yes. I'm yes. adding Harrison. No, no. Yeah. Come on. He is, he is the copper w- with, a, with a heart. You know, he really is not only a rosser, but he's a social worker, isn't he? Yes, and he demonstrated that this week. Didn't Absolutely, he? going round to see Alice, but also um, it was—he has the ability to diffuse situations. Now, Alice yeah. went at him, full throated, and he stood there, took it, calmed her down. Mm-hmm. You know, said, "I'm also here yeah. for you." And then the other two remaining suggestions for you to consider deny um, mm-hmm. are Leonard and Roy. Utterly Leonard. Now, you see, Roy's a funny one. I don't necessarily think that Roy Tucker has a social antenna, 
but or an empathy uh what what are those funny sticks that people used to have in the 80s to find water do you know what i mean it was like a y shape uh, divining rods or something yeah 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 so roy tucker doesn't have one of those when it comes to people however he's very attuned to kirsty miller yes don't we want them to get together well talk about massive hints this week but as i said right you know roy tucker blind to everything else going on in the village but when it comes to his in inverted commas bezzy mate no he is a great shoulder for her to lean on you think that his motives are utterly pure in that regard but surely 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 it's just a matter of time before you know well, he wants her back in the house renting a room from, from him so he doesn't have to pay the, as much in bills anymore. So he's uh, very glad to have her back. No, that's painting him in a bad way. I haven't seen much of Roy apart from with Kirsty lately. So I would judge him as quite a sort of sound, emotional person. But Well, remember, he all that nonsense with Lizzie and then him losing Hayley, he didn't exactly... Um, Show himself yeah, in the best we, light, did he? We all make mistakes, and that was quite oh. a massive, major mistake. But time has moved on. That was a long time ago. That's not the Roy of today. Roy's wearing the the tropical shirts that that look out of place in a nightclub, and desperately <laughs> trying to get to work for him. True that. So there are some men who have. Uh, some emotional skills to divest in the village, and actually, I'll throw in another one but only vis-a-vis his partner, Eddie Grundy. I think he stands up for his clarity and you really get a sense of uh, the power and the strength of their relationship. It's not all one-way traffic. We always think that it's clarity being selfless, but actually Eddie can demonstrate it a time too. Also, Ed, Ed vis-a-vis his family. I'll give you Eddie. Uh, uh, can we just stop at Ed because I'm not I'm not ready to to put him in that camp yet. I can't I can't cope. With no, that. but I'm, I'm qualifying it though. I'm saying Ed vis a vis Emma. Mm, no, still not ready to accept that. But might, Eddie, um, I'll allow that one. You know what? I think you might be right. You might be right. Can I get that in as a certificate, please? Though so thinking about it, the last time. Ed and Will had a set too. Do you remember when Will nearly killed himself? Indeed. In the run up to that, wasn't Ed actually being quite understanding of Will's plight? Yes, but- I think he he has been. Yes, but whether mm. you know understanding is one thing, but. Um, being sort of emotionally open is another. I mean, I tell you what, when Susan stopped doing her radio show, I would have loved Will and Ed to take over because just being emotional <laughs> on there would have been a whole other. <laughs> that's another programme in itself. But, uh, yes, I'd have loved to have heard that, the, the, the bickering and arguing and falling out. Does that just make me bitter and twisted? Maybe it does. Well, no, but there is a certain kind of... Uh free song when two people get get on air and have a little bit of beef so it's like good morning britain when piers morgan was on it right Uh, you don't have to like the man to appreciate that his kind of irascible nature with the rest of the other hosts created something and it was a bit much watch tv Mm, you know true true so it, it could have it could have made it 
uh, onto the centre stage of the of the UK, the Will and Ed radio show. Is that is that what you're saying? Well, I wouldn't quite go that far, you know. <laughs> yeah, centre stage of Radio Borsetshire, you know. But uh, yeah, I think that could have made for somewhat uh, interesting listening because you know that um, Ed is kind of used to be into his indie music. You know, fifteen years ago, going off to uh, you know to festivals mm-hmm. and stuff. Whereas Will would have come in with his country and western music, yeah. something incredibly like middle of the road. So yeah. it would have been somewhat discordant, but it could have been magic. Could have been gold. Could have been. It could have been interesting. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Right, he's somebody who not only is he interesting, he's utterly fascinating, and he loves a ramble. It's our Glenn. Hello, Humpty Dum. It's Glenn here, out on location uh, this week in the woods and on the hills above the Derwent Valley. Uh, there will be a picture on the Facebook page. Thoughts on the arches in the last week. Um, so Philip has gone down for eight years. Um, looking back at the Zoom quiz, does that mean that he has done a deal with uh, with the police? And uh, uh, they've got more information on the notorious Victoria? Or does it mean that we sort of got the sentencing slightly wrong there, but we shall see. He didn't seem very repentant um, in the report that Harrison gave of the sentencing there, did he? I think quite a few of us will feel a bit miffed that we only got to hear that in reports rather than actually get the scene of the trial. And we know that Andy Hockley, the actor, obviously felt a bit miffed too. But anyway, can't have everything especially in these days of COVID restrictions. The other thing that caught my attention was the mysteries and um, Linda's scene with Evangeline. I I find it quite hard to believe that Linda Snell, MBE, wouldn't be taking full and proper care to um, make sure she'd got the rights to the script before starting rehearsals. That didn't seem terribly likely to me, but oh well. There again, maybe having the MBE has given her uh, a sense of entitlement. It doesn't sound very like Linda, though. Anyway, I discovered that actually, I started this recording, I'm on a slightly busier road than I thought I was going to be. So I'm going to wrap things up here. Uh, Stay safe, everybody. Have a good, great week. Uh, Great week listening to The Archers. And thanks to to all in Dumpty Dumland for the podcast. Bye. Oh, brilliant, Glenn. I hope you made it back home safely because it did sound like there was a lot of traffic there. But, yeah, some great points. Um, has Philip done a deal to to get the eight-year sentence? And uh, sorry not to hear the actual court scenes and, and him get his comeuppance. And would Linda really not look into getting rights for the script? So much to cover here. Yeah, so first of all, with the sentencing I know when Rosie did the zoom quiz and the question was what prison term can Philip expect the options were 18 years nine years or for a deal to be done well I guess nine years is quite similar to the eight years but it 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 does seem a very light sentence considering it, it was modern day slavery but I did think it was interesting though Roy for when um Andy who plays Philip Moss was talking about how it was recorded his last scene with Kirsty, um, that obviously we we heard a, 
a few weeks ago now when Kirsty visited him in prison, he said that they'd recorded that remotely just down the phone line. So he didn't even get to see the actress while they were recording that fairly crucial scene, which, which seemed a shame to me. What did you think? Um, I'm going to slightly push back on that because whilst it might have been a shame for him, what I would say, it demonstrates that uh, the archers can be recorded anywhere now mm. and we don't we can't tell the difference you know we can't tell the difference and i know when they when they went back to the studio and they went back to um to the mailbox i i did kind of listen out for kind of audio and technical cues and on the odd occasion things sounded a little bit odd and it was less to do with the audio quality and more just to do with the pacing but now you can't tell. And and as I said, and that could just be me thinking that something sounded a little bit kind of peculiar, like you're trying to listen out, out for faults. Yeah. So um, this all points in, in a great direction in terms of them getting things kind of kind of back together as Britain comes out at a lockdown. So if that scene was done down the wires, as, as Andy Hockley said, on the soon to be uploaded uh, Zoom edition of Dum De Dum. Why don't you go on to uh, YouTube, dear good listener, type in Royfield or Dum De Dum, and then you will see the interview. And uh, it's a pretty good one. I think this all points uh, in a really positive direction in terms of the archers getting mm -hmm. back to normal and hopefully soon going back up to six days a week because there is, oh, you know, okay. yeah. Because that was a great scene with the backwards and forwards with uh, Kirsty and Phil. He was delivered well. The director could direct the actors and the editor could edit it in such a way that it utterly was, was seamless. And you believe that they were sat there together. You know, there's none I'm of this... And talking of great scenes, we need to talk about this scene with uh, Linda and Evangeline, just as Glyn has mentioned. I mean, oh, I just thought it was the most extraordinary scene. I know there's a film out now, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, and it felt like we were getting <laughs> that on the arches. These two women just sparring against you, you know, may I call you Evangeline? It appears you already have. Oh, just wonderful. Evangeline sounded to me like an old headmistress with very big bosoms and a moustache. And I just thought, oh, this is this is classic Archers, classic BBC. And I loved listening to it. I, I do agree with Glyn, though, that it seems, well, there's almost two different Lindas that the, can I call it the normal Linda? And then the Linda who's not just been directing the mysteries, but being quite nasty with it, um, sacking Clary and um, making Kirsty sort of do her dirty work and then not getting the, the rights as well for it. But I did enjoy that scene. I just thought it was beautifully done by both actors. What, what did you think though, Royfield? Um, for all those that like to see two larger-than-life characters uh, go up against each other, whether one of them is some kind of prehistoric lizard monster and the other one is, is a massive ape of gigantic proportions. Godzilla and King Kong are shattered box office expectations this weekend. So, so, so that is another sign that uh, the world is very slowly 
imperceptibly moving towards normality. But uh, in the US, at the very least anyway, some significant amount of people are going to the uh, cinemas. And oh, is it on in the cinema in the US? Because in the UK, uh, it was all you, you rent it online. And Well, and this is the other thing as well. So um, there is the cinema um, box office and then there is the online. It shattered mm. expectations. So bearing in mind, that's somewhat of an elastic term because you can say, oh, God, we think it's going to do terrible. And if it just does all right, it shattered expectations. But still, that's the marketing line that they're coming out with. Uh, so, um, but props to you for, for linking this popular movie franchise property with the two doyens, the two statuesque women of uh, amateur dramatics in Darrington and Ambridge. And it was a rather good uh, tussle. If I'm being honest, Evangeline, she was a little bit stagey, a little bit of a, of a thirst, talked her like yeah. that. You know, she was a bit like that. But you know what? <laughs> It, it was fun. And she just let Linda weave her lies, weave her yeah. lies. And let me get this right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am Colin Whitstable, my nom de plume. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, there'll be netball on Neptune before you ever secure the rights to my script. So I thought that was mm. great. And then when she said, I hear you can pull off a passable pantomime. I just, oh, it's just classic. I, no, I did enjoy that. It was good. It, it, it was all level of good. However, to come back to Glyn's point, yes, um, I don't believe that Linda would be so shoddy with um, not getting the rights to a script. However, maybe, maybe we've seen a slightly more cavalier Linda, hence the way that Clary was treated and then her you know, not doing due process in getting the rights to the script. Maybe the MBE has gone to her head slightly. Mm. Yes, it could be. And that that would be a shame because for all Linda's faults, I do like her and she has gone through such um, difficult times and we've sort of rallied for her and, and wished her well. So I do hope that this is just a, a a temporary blip we'll get the the lovely linda back soon yeah and, and kirsty did kind of point us in that direction by saying you know linda maybe we did treat clary you know incorrectly and no 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 blah blah so mm. I, I think glenn might be onto something here that the script writers have shown shown us a slightly different linda who's a little bit uh, bullshit. Because do you remember when Linda spoke to Freddie when Freddie was going to do his production, and she ran Freddie through the psychological profiles of key people in the village and how to win them on side. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and she's not displaying that level of deafness now, is she? I mean, I felt she was getting Kirsty to produce it. Um, as a benefit to Kirsty to help get her back in the community and give her something else to focus on, which I applauded. But I don't actually see how this is going to help Kirsty because it's just going to put more people against her and it's not really using her in a positive way. So, yes, I am surprised at, at Linda. Maybe, as Glyn said, is it is it her MBE gone to her head? I, I would hope not. And she hasn't actually been given it yet. She's had the letter, but she hasn't had the... Uh, the visit to, to Buck Palace yet. So she better behave herself or else we'll be writing to the Queen to say, no, 
give it to somebody else. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm guessing that um, MBEs, OBEs, knighthoods, etc., all been put on hold because of the coronas. And you do hear several months before you would go. Um, I mean, I think it's about six months, isn't it, normally? So, but I, but I want to hear that. I want to hear her deciding what outfit to wear it might be something a bit more flamboyant than Linda would normally have and the whole trip to Buckingham Palace. Yes, I would like to hear that. You ever been to Buckhouse? Yes, I have. I don't know if we talked about this before, but my my mum got an MBE and uh, what? and it was it was amazing to go. Uh it really was something else and it makes you realize what the uh what the royal family do actually deliver um it did it did make me appreciate them more mm-hmm. look at you yeah the, the one you were yeah, you you were a staunch republican beforehand weren't you then you went there the queen butted you up <laughs> no i was just i just thought well i didn't know enough um and my opinion was well what what what's the point of it but when you see how many people are doing such amazing work in the community and volunteering. And this is something that um, really rewards them and that they can take that back to their communities. I I did see a different side to it. I was having this conversation uh, with a couple of Americans a couple of weeks back. and, And I said, to all intents and purposes, I am a Republican, but I'm a sentimental monarchist. And, you know, if somebody wants to sit, let's say, on top of our society, notionally on top of our society with a magic hat on their head, I don't really have a problem with that. As long as we have a a truly meritocratic and democratic and pluralistic society, I don't have a problem with it. If we anoint somebody from, from a family that historically ruled over us to tap us on the shoulder every now and then and say and and say you've done well and purely from a very human level a president saying that you've done well is great a king or a queen it is a little bit magical and let's be honest about it we know they're not magical we know they're not better than us and all these revelations that we've had recently prove to us that they have the same family dynamics as the rest of us but they have shed loads of money and privilege. But fundamentally, do I want to get a an honour from a jumped-up politician or a queen? I'll take the queen every day. Do you know what I mean? So as long as we truly have democratic, meritocratic society, let's have our little fairy tale. I don't see a problem with it. And definitely being a Brit, being abroad, you realise that it's great marketing for the UK. So I say big ups to the Queen. You keep on, missus. Right, uh, now we're going to go north of the border. It's our Melly. Hello, Royfield, Philippa, Quentin, and my new favourite human, Rosie Borky, and everybody else in Dumpty Dumland. It's Melly McMerryweather here, first time caller in error, believe it or not, given that I'm constantly on Facebook. I'm calling you from a sunny but absolutely freezing eastern Bartonshire. We actually had some snow, albeit a little bit like Paula's diving balls this morning. My Archer's Vintage, I started listening about 2006 when I stopped turning the radio off after the comedy half hour, so I think that makes me a Rory. 
sorry, Aruri, however you want to pronounce it. What do I do? I work in dentistry, unfortunately not as a dentist, otherwise, yeah, I'd be a bit more flush. So I don't know if it's just me, or if anybody else is finding this, I might just be getting too old to do two things at once, but I'm really struggling to follow the storyline just now. I do think it's because there's only four episodes a week. It's not part of every day. And I do listen live. And sometimes I listen when it's replayed in Radio 4 at 2 o'clock. And I listen to the omnibus religiously. So I don't really know what's going on. You know, there's some, there's been a lot of humour lately, which is funny. Well, obviously, because humour is funny. And it has lifted the mood of it. But I, I really, really do think it's four episodes a week. And it not being just part of every day of my life, every week, except one. Anyway, Royfield, you know what you have to do now. And I'll maybe even call it in again. Take care, everyone. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. There you go. It was a birthday the other day. Right, for, well, hopefully it was. You haven't just plucked that song out of the air. If it was, happy birthday, Molly. In fact, it was. Yes, of course it was. Just a few days ago. Yes, Molly, happy birthday. I'll leave the singing to Royfield. Marvellous, Melly. I can't believe it's the first time Melly's called in. Wow. I was going to say exactly the same. When she started doing the whole, here are my arch credentials, I was like, well, you're on the Zooms, you're all over Facebook, mm. you're hardcore. But yeah. She was a first-time caller in her. Who knew? Well, Melly knew. knew. And some very, very good points to make as well. I think we just need to get back to the normal amount of episodes as well. And there have been some inconsistencies lately. I mean, this week we had them saying, oh, no, we haven't got anybody to play the part of God yet. Well, a couple of weeks ago we were informed that Rosie was going to play the part of God. So it just jars a bit when the scriptwriters don't confer with each other. And I did have an issue with the council meeting because up to this week, the council meetings have been done by Zoom. And then suddenly Monday's episode, it was all face to face again. And I just thought, what is going on? Either they're going to take account a bit more of COVID or they're not. And what suddenly changed when they're not on Zoom and they're face to face? It's all a bit confusing. Were you confused, Royfield, or is it just me? Uh, wasn't confused and I must admit I was somewhat slightly distracted in the episode because I didn't realise that of course the first one was on Zoom we had um, Emma and her pops all talking Mm -hmm. about before they logged in beforehand and then Ben racked up to this one so now you pointed out yes one was online one was in person and I didn't notice because um Ben had dropped Jill off for the meeting and stayed to to watch it. And and then we had these three characters, Hilary Noakes, Audrey Fisher and, and Richard Thwaite, that none of them were included in it. So I didn't see why it had to suddenly be face to face. It, As I say, it just jars and it stops me being fully involved and completely believing it when it's something like that. And you just think, well, that doesn't quite quite work for me. But obviously, Parish council meetings, as Rosie and Quentin said last week, are very much of the time. We'll just have to see how Audrey gets on. It seems like there's going to be a longer story playing out with the the parish council. But 
I thought Emma was just going to give in and do it. I thought we'd just be led a merry dance. Maybe that will happen at the AGM. Mm. I do want to see some kind of storming of the of the Paris Council meeting. You know, somebody like holding, uh, you know, the big flag of Ambridge, bursting the door open. You know, and maybe it's Emma there, and she's you know, as she darts into the room, she pulls open her blouse. What what was that character? Was it Marianne, the the historical figure of France, who's always kind of bare chested as uh, in revolutionary? We don't need that. We don't need um, Emma. Bearing a chest, thank you very much. No, but just, this, is, this is deep art and political oh, symbolism, sorry. not smut. Oh, it's not smut. No, right. I'm not saying it's smut. I'm just saying it, we don't need that in the art. Just thank you well, very much. Well, but we do need a bit of a people's coup d'etat because yeah. what Emma does uh, symbolise is the next generation, doesn't she? And a certain, let's say, leveling up of the social classes so that the working classes are taking their place in the whole decision making process in the parish. You know, so it's not all your Hillary Noakeses and all of those old fuddy duddy middle class old grey people. Let's have a little, let's have some 30 something action in there. You know, a young, youngish mother you know, who's um, had to go through life the hard way, putting her point of view in that parish council. So I say burn the place down, vive la revolution, Emma Carter, take your place. I'd love Kate to to chair. (laughs) (laughs) They would just be gold, comedy gold, listening to her uh, uh, take things in different directions. So I, I vote for Kate. She would be very good, wouldn't she? She'd be saying beforehand, let's have uh, time for reflection. And, yeah. and, you know, everybody, I think we should all be still before we start. And Strike a yoga pose. There you um, go. Uh, some In- affirmations and then get the Prosecco out. Absolutely. Engage your third eye. You know, <laughs> all of that before and the council she, meeting. She, she wouldn't be bothered with a lot of it. She'd just say, oh, no, darling, that's not needed. And uh, go back to a wigwam. True that, true that. Uh, Melly, uh, thank you for breaking your dum-de-dum cherry. Now, from mm. one person who's um, no longer a stranger to the caller in uh, section of the show, we go on to another one. This is Isabel, who's probably, most possibly, our youngest ever caller in Now, just before I hit play on this, this is a monster call because she used uh, the voicemail facility on whatsapp by the time you hear this um are edited on your podcast it would have been whittled down to a more manageable two minutes but philip and i are going to hear this in its full entirety it's the director's cut unabridged it's isabel's call which lasts for five minutes hi so you want my views on ambridge for the dumpty dum podcast right so i've not written anything down so i'm just Gonna, gonna, gonna wing it, basically. Alice. Well, basically, her storyline. Well, I knew something was up from the very start. Basically, when she ordered that crate of wine, I didn't know that there was something up. Basically, I just thought, all right, I order sweets, and I'm excited for a sweet delivery, and I, and I can't wait for it to come. So she must be the same waiting for her wine delivery. So I just overlooked it. But then it started getting really problematic and when she was saying all this stuff about how she's in control and stuff like that I thought all right there's definitely some up now 
So when I found out she was pregnant, I thought, I don't know how much she's drank, so it'll be all right. But then it all got revealed, you know, before all that withdrawal stuff. It was devastating. So I thought, all right, so baby will be born healthier after she's been to that detox clinic. You know, because they said it would be a cleansing for her and the baby. So I thought, all right, so the baby will get cleansed and it'll be born healthy. You know, I've been trying to be very positive. Um, And when the baby was born prematurely, oh, before that, basically when Kate bought that champagne over, I was like, how could she do that? How could she do that? I mean, that would be enough to put any non-alcoholic under pressure, let alone an alcoholic. So anyway... One problem, Alice and Chris, they're fighting. They're in a tricky situation. And on the whole, I don't think Martha should grow up in that environment. I think it'd be better if they split up. Because then there'd be no fights. Anyway, enough about that. Um, Kirsty, she's had bad experiences with men, with Philip and Tom. She thought she'd found the perfect match and he turned out to be an evil gangster. And it's not surprising that she's being a bit you know, like short-tempered or whatever. She's been through a lot. Per- Personalised pyjamas. <laughs> I think that's really funny. And netballing on Neptune. I just didn't get that bit at all. <laughs> I only really pay attention to the good scenes. So I'll give you a few things I think about the characters. Alice. Spoiled, snobby, but troubled at the same time. Kirsty. Nice. Jade. Dreadful. <laughs> That's the only word I can think for her. <laughs> Jazza. Funny, but rude at the same time. So, can't really think of anything else. Oh, apart from Brian and Jennifer are total snobs. Wow, Isabel. My <laughs> That's amazing. She needs a t-shirt for that. Am I right in thinking Isabel's 15 years old? 15 going on 51. Oh, full, full of wow. opinions, knows how to write Ambridge. Isabel, that is wonderful. My eldest is 16 and I wish she was as interested in the archers as you are. Fabulous. Pat on the back to you for that. So many different observations. Yeah, and I I can completely understand that, you know, the Alice storyline has um, affected us all so much. And and will the the baby be okay? I I just think this is going to be a long-term story that's just going to go on and on. So we we won't know. We're not going to know this week or next week. It's going to take a long time until that sort of all unravels. And um, the shopping that Alice and Emma did and uh, stumbling across this nail bar and wondering were there, was there modern slavery going on? I just felt it was a bit contrived that just to happen at the same time as the sentencing of of the court case. I don't know. It just jarred for me a little bit with it all happening there but maybe it was just another instance for us to stop and think and to show us if we do suspect um, that modern slavery is going on what we should do about it you know to report it and there's, there's nothing wrong with making that call and that's fine that makes sense particularly as the world starts to reopen or certainly in the UK over the next few weeks I'd have preferred that to have happened in a different episode than the the court case sentencing, but Royfield, what what did you think? What about all that our Isabel had to say? Well, wh- wh- where'd you start? Um, <laughs> I suppose you start at the beginning, but the beginning was so long ago that I've forgotten it. 
right? So here he was, uh, Isabel. Uh, right, uh, words of uh, um, clarification for future. We we loved that. It was utterly wonderful. Generally, we try and keep it down to about two minutes. Keeps things um, a little bit tight and concise. However, you did not let rip. The only thing I'd really pull you up about, Isabel, was say when you said you only listen to the good scenes, right? And then the scene that you said you didn't understand. I actually think that was quite a good scene. But scenes are in the ears of the beholders, whether they're any good or not. But yes, in terms of uh, who was dreadful, who was a snob, who meant well, um, I couldn't uh, couldn't agree with you more. I think you, you nailed that. Congratulate, Isabel. I think it's brilliant. We need more young caller inners, please. Um, it's just it's just great to hear different views on the characters and and all that happens in Ambridge. So yes, Isabel, I look forward to your next call. Tell you what, though, I think what Isabel has actually done is thrown down the gauntlet to other uh, younger listeners of uh, the Archers and Dum De Dum. So if you come in at 15 years of age or younger, why don't you call in next week and uh, let us know what you think of the whole world of Borsetshire. Yeah. Yes, next week it'll be Rosie and Quentin, and they'd love to hear from you. But can also, also, I'd just like to say that I remember the first time I called in and I was so nervous and for so many months I didn't call in because I, it just felt like something that I, I wasn't entitled to do and that what what were my views worth. If, if you haven't called in before, please do, because it's so interesting hearing what everyone has to say. And if you are a regular caller in or a, please keep those calls going. We love hearing from you. And that's part of this wonderful dum de dum community. And, and that will carry on. So, yes, keep those calls are coming. Well done. Well, that was a call to action, an impassioned plea from our Philippa. Now we're going to end up last caller in or a, on this episode anyway. It's our Jane, and she's in W12, don't you know? Hi, all Dumpty Dummers. Jane from West London calling on a sunny and chilly Easter Monday. This week's omnibus was fairly nondescript. Linda's mystery play imploded and seems to have been a complete waste of time, apart from we now know that Clary is a very lucky lady. She has a wonderful friendship with Susan, which cannot be undermined by a part in a play, and a husband willing to be ostracised by the village in order to defend his wife's honour. Both Susan and Eddie have proved themselves to be the most principled people in Ambridge, unlike Linda and Kirsty, who behaved disgracefully towards Clary. Kirsty, whose judgment in human nature is dubious at the best of time, finally may have at last realised Roy is the man for her. But it's too late, as Roy is down on his knees due to his new fancy Layla. The only hope for Kirsty is that the rumours are true and Maxine Peake does join the cast as Kirsty's new friend and she will hopefully give Kirsty some much-needed support and mentoring on how to be an independent woman in her own right. I'm still hoping the scriptwriters will give us a long-running torrid affair that has sadly been missing for the last 10 years. Anyhow, just want to mention I will miss Royfield's weekly presence on the podcast, but I'm confident in Rosie, Quentin and Philippa's prowess behind the mic. So good luck, you guys. And thanks for all your hard work. Oh, Jane. Wow. What a message. Thank you so much. Yes. Very interested to see what uh, Layla, Roy's new amour, is uh, is like. This sounds very intriguing um, and, and we want to know more. I've, yes, these rumours about Maxine Peake coming onto the cast. 
that would be amazing. Maxine is such, well, she's just an amazing actor anyway. And to have her on the cast, I would love to see what she what she would make of Ambridge. That, that would be great. And how Susan did turn out to be a a good friend to to Clary, which was which was lovely. And thank you for your comments, Jane. Yes, the the podcast is changing, and um, I for one used to love listening to Royfield and Lucy, and it's a privilege to be part of this. And thank you for bearing with us. We we will we will work together. And um, just thanks to Royfield for everything he's done. But you're not going away, are you, Royfield? What do you mean? I, I, I live in California. Oh, whatever. <laughs> You're still here with me in Ambridge land. No, that's, that's true. That's true. Uh, no, I will be still editing the shows and making sure that they, they get up onto uh, the podcast feed. But as I said last week, um, I just think it's it's time really to move on. It's seven years, really. So uh, you, Quentin and Rosie will do a most awesome job. Well, we will try our best. Well, I don't need to try your best. Knock the ball out of the park, slay it, kill it. <laughs> I don't want to sound overconfident because we we do rely on the community of Dum Dum to to join us on this journey, but we will do everything we can to keep Dum Dum, the spirit of Dum Dum, alive and well. That's it. You know that mischievous little bit of Middle England. That's the that's the secret sauce, I think. Uh, to dum de dum I want to say Middle England, you know, it's, it's actually where Middle England is uh, the four corners of the planet. So as long as you keep that alive, the podcast will be fine. But it does need you, dear listener, to lean in and to help uh, your community, your fellow listeners, by calling in. So uh, on that note, um, not only do people call in, they can also email in, can't they? Yes. And, of course, if they don't email in, I perform a rap. And guess what? We have an email. So please don't cry, everyone. I know you're sobbing into your radios or podcast suppliers as you hear this, but but there is no there is no rap this week because we've got an email, which is absolutely fantastic. Shall I read it out, Royfield? Well, how else are people going to hear it? You're going to tap it out on Morse code? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> Honestly, how rude. Right. Hi, dum-de-dum. Debbins from Twitter here. Couldn't quite bring myself to use SpeakPipe, but felt compelled to make contact after hearing Quentin's remark about the Alice and Chris storyline being tedious. Royfield was correct. Shame is huge where alcoholism and addiction are concerned. Chris and Alice's life will go through periods of calm and chaos, dictated by whether Alice is drinking and accompanied by constant anxiety around alcohol and exhausting pretense that everything is fine, in addition to anxiety around Martha's care and needs. In reality, by the time help is sought, friends and family will be well aware there is a problem, but it may be the elephant in the room. So yes, it is a long game and it is grim, but there will also be periods where they remember why they first got together. It will be interesting to see whether scriptwriters are prepared for a slow burn or whether we have another easy cure, such as with Liz's depression. They have built Alice's drinking up over the years, so it would be a shame if they resorted to the Pollyanna cure of all soap operas. I know it can be hard to listen to. However, I prefer Chris and Alice to talk of the mystery plays any day. Keep up the good work. Debbins. Yes, uh, I can see why Quentin said what he said. It's not like nice to listen to. Um, 
but what what they're going through is is real and even putting the alcohol to to the side i can say as a new parent you are saddled with guilt guilt about everything worry about everything um and so when you add in the alcoholism to that as well you know it it's just a very difficult situation and then there's also you know the the birth was very traumatic and i can speak from having a traumatic birth and there is this um there is maternal ocd that you can get from having a very traumatic birth and i can see that and hear that in in alice i did think that the breastfeeding problem was solved far too easily suddenly it was all okay and um you know i agree with devons that i hope that's not how they treat the alcohol issue, not that I'm wishing ill for Alice, but it's a big concern and I hope that they deal with it respectfully. But Royfield, what do you think? I think they have been dealing with it for the most part respectfully so far. One of the problems is for us as listeners, we come to the Archers and we love it. We say when stories play out in real time, but then the other half of us get bored because it's taking too long. And then we say they haven't given this storyline sufficient weight and it's due. Uh, and then we complain because, and we say, oh, you know, they've, they've cut things short. You know, it hasn't played in real time. So the script writers are damned if they do and damned if they don't. Yeah. I honestly believe, though, that this storyline is breaking new ground. On a personal level, I was, I was aware of fetal alcohol syndrome, but I didn't know an awful lot about it. And to show us that potentially a child could be born into a relatively, in inverted commas, nice middle-class family with this trait, um, I think it's been played really well. And think of all the setup that they've done. This has been going on for years. So one mm-hmm. thing, which when, when Isabel said, you know, she could see this coming from the start and then talked about um, the, the start of lockdown, Isabel, this storyline has been at least three years in the making beforehand. Um, I think they're doing a tremendous job. And what they've really made us think about with this isn't only uh, parental guilt, as you said, Philippa, when a child comes into the world, when a new child comes into the world, you're, you're worried for it anyway, even if you've been yeah. scrupulous with the, uh, with yeah. the mother's been scrupulous with her health and the father's tried to do his best, let alone if you think he might have damaged that child but from the start yeah. off. Crumbs, you know... I, I thought Quentin was being a little bit harsh as well last week and, and, and said as much. I think the anxiety is earned and it, and it needs to play out. And, and we need to, to feel that viscerally. Yes, absolutely. Because every sniff, every sneeze, every um, lack of movement, every, almost not every second of the day, but you can, you can imagine it's going to be there forever in Alice's mind um, about how the baby develops she's she's going to need so much help and they can't do it on their own so it's it's you know when are the, when will the family be brought into this how supportive are they going to be when is she going to be tested again with alcohol I personally I fear it's not going to end well um I think I think she will start drinking again I hope she doesn't but I I worry for her and even for Chris's business you know he's um, spending so much time looking after Alice and Martha that he's not looking after his business so yes financially as a family because of the connections that they'll they'll be okay but you know they 
they need his business to be okay. So they're being pulled in so many directions. And I, I do find it very uncomfortable to hear it. Um, but we need to hear it. Mm. Uh, could not agree more. Uh, but on that note, it's just a reminder to say, good people, that um, I am doing a special show with parents of all vintages, uh, new parents kind of slightly going to take the stage. Um, I've asked people on the Facebook group, if you're a relatively new parent, uh, to come onto the show, but other parents will be there as well. And we're going to talk about being a parent and hopes, fears, aspirations, uh, anxieties. So that will be with you soon. The other thing to say is, I know last week I bigged up all of our Patreons and I love, I love me our Patreons, uh, but they are not the only people that financially contribute to the show. So if you are a PayPal uh, giver, donator, you will get your moment on the podcast next week. So, um, so listen out for that. First, though, it's uh, Sandra D. Jenkinson who's going to give us the social media roundup. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello. This is Sandra with the social media roundup for the week beginning Monday the 29th of March. I was somewhat dispirited by reading social media early on in the week because much discussion was negative in nature. I've read comments about scripts being clunky and storylines being as dull as ditch water. Some of the criticisms were aimed at the mystery play. Jim also came in for some criticism with uh, some questioning why he would worry about Jade's birthday and a present. Listeners hoped that what goes on in the caravan stays in the caravan, or the love shack, as one listener described it. Why were Jill and Leonard in the caravan? Privacy, maybe. Would Jill have been drinking Jazz's homebrew? It's possible, I suppose. There was an improvement on Wednesday after the standoff between Linda and Evangeline. Melly said that Linda had been trumped. 
other comments were that Linda was stitched up like a kipper and that she was outsnailed. There was also reference to E.F. Benson's Map and Lucia. Another reference was to Chumbawamba lyrics because Linda had got knocked down, but she had got up again. There was some disbelief in the storyline because it was thought that Linda wouldn't have avoided paying for the rights to the script, that she would have done things properly. Others wondered if she had been forgetful, which could be related to the injuries that she sustained in the explosion. However, it was pointed out that Linda could be devious, with one reference to her vigil outside the bull when the name was changed. Some people thought that Evangeline was Hazel Woolley in disguise. They obviously hadn't read the cast list. The big story of the week, of course, was the sentencing of Gavin and Philip. One listener calculated that Philip will get out in four years and Gavin in two and a half years. There was little doubt that Gavin would be a model prisoner. Philip, on the other hand, possibly not. And, of course, there is the possibility that one of them may put in an appearance after release. Some people were disappointed not to hear the court proceedings, especially when Philip was said to have lost it at the end. Some felt it was a letdown and a damp squib, but others thought that it probably wasn't very interesting. One person couldn't understand why Kirsty would be upset after the trial. That point of view wasn't supported and other listeners were more understanding. It was felt that Kirsty would have experienced a form of grief for the loss of her husband and for the loss of her future. It was generally agreed that Emma was a star on Thursday evening and people appreciated the newfound friendly relationship with Alice. It was noticed that their characters were developing, although both of them could show unpleasant traits at times. Listeners, of course, linked the nail bar visit to the modern slavery storyline. There was a school of thought that Victoria could be behind slave labour in the nail bars as well as in the building trade. Some of us thought that was unlikely. There were also comments about the programme not representing the reality of the recent COVID restrictions. But then, you know, that is nothing new. The other star of the week was Harrison Burns, who was lovely to Alice on Tuesday and showed concern about Kirsty on Thursday. Will Roy's online friend turn out not to be the person he believes that he is talking to, or will she be Roy's ticket out of the village? Time will tell whether it's a scam or not. Some people still think that Roy and Kirsty will end up together. I don't. Well, that's me finished for this week. Uh, see you in about a month. Bye. Thank you for that, Sandra. Aren't you mm. adept on, on the mic? Uh, now, it's uh, that part of the show where, <laughs> Philippa, you break with convention. You just go rogue. Mm. You just do whatever the heck you want. So uh, the floor is yours. Thank you. And uh, I've gone rogue even more this time. Ooh. This week, Boyfield, you're going to play guess the year so huge thanks to the public libraries for the the research and resource that i've been able to access <laughs> incredible to look back at articles that have been published about the archers over decades and i've got three article headlines one mm. that was published in 1953 
Mm-hmm. One in 1954 and one in 1958. So 53, 54, 58. And what I want you to try and guess is which year. I mean, it's impossible, but anyway, try and guess which year each headline was published. So there's some interesting ones here. The first headline, Archer's Budgerigar is dead. Apparently there was a Budgerigar in the Archers originally. And uh, I, 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 I want to hear all, all of them before okay. I... Okay, so Archer's Budgerigar is dead. The Archers may run for 10 years. Listener's favourite. And stage rights of the Archers injunction suspended. All right, number two, I'm going for 1958. Because the Archers would have been on air for seven years then. So, no, that was 1953. The Archers may run for 10 years. That was 1953. Never mind. So, you've got Budgerigar and the injunction, and you've got 58 and 52. All right, Budgerigar, I'm going 1958. Well done. Round so I got applause. two out of three. <laughs> yes. yes, so the stage rights of the Archers, injunction suspended, someone had planned to do a stage show of the Archers and then an injunction had been brought out against it. So it was all, all involved with that. And obviously the Archers may run for 10 years. That's, uh, well, uh, and some in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Which is uh, wonderful and thank goodness it, it, yeah. it has. Add another yeah, 60 to, to the 10 years. Yes, but um, yeah, huge thanks to public libraries for that resource. I could I could spend weeks looking at at all these headlines. It's incredible to see all that goes on. But yes, there we go. Oh, right, folks. Uh, that's more or less been your dumpty dum. Dumpty dum dot com. Go there. It's got stuff on there that you can do. You can look at past episodes. or listen to past episodes of the show and look at past zooms. Uh, which we've uploaded to YouTube. And don't forget, uh, why don't you go onto YouTube, subscribe to uh, my channel, Royfield, and you'll be notified when we put up uh, our Zoom interviews. And this week, we will put up our interview with Andy Hockley, who played Philip Moss. Boo hiss. So if you want to go and see that, if you missed out, if you weren't there on the Zoom call, uh, you can watch it on the YouTubes by going on to Dum De Dum on YouTube. And you can do that also through dumdedum.com. Also, what you can do is, by, is go on to patreon.com and for the eminently reasonable sum of two American dollars per episode. You can become a Patreon, which means that uh, we can pay for stuff to be done. And we're about to do some more enhancements to Tractor, which is Mm. our great kind of social networking platform. The whole idea is uh, that you uh, pin yourself to the map, tell us where you live. It could be Boston, Lincolnshire, Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, then people can see that's kind of about roundabout where you live. It's not your home physical address. It's just that the approximate location. And it means when the coronas is over, you can uh, go walk your dogs together and talk about the archers, talk about dum-de-dum, talk about Philippa and her raps, you know, all that type of stuff. What we want to do is bring archers, fandom and dum-de-dumers together. So we do that on Tractor. Remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on dumdydum.com, the website, or leave a WhatsApp note and send it to 07957 167 696, which is plus 44 
7957-167-696 if you're outside the UK. This show came out and was conceived on Twitter. So Twitter is always a very special place for us. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us where we are at Dumpty Dum. Philippa, how can people uh, follow your goings on on social media on Twitter? Oh, yes, you can find me at Quick Book Reviews. Um, but instead of a W in reviews, it's a three, just to be tricky. But remember, whilst you are tweeting on Twitter, when you're tweeting about the Archers, please use the capitalised hashtag the archers so capital t capital a for archers as this helps visually impaired people who use screen readers without the capitals it reads as a string of gobbledygook also you can follow us on facebook if you like a little bit of facebook uh why don't you type in dumdy dum on facebook and join our merry band of well over a thousand dumdy dummers on facebook right philippa you shamed yourself last time with your musical (laughs) choice Mm-hmm. So this is your time to redeem yourself. Um, and really, isn't this the, the season for redemption, for resurrection, for rebirth? It is. It is. It it is. is. So don't let us down. Go. <laughs> okay. Well, the background on this is that obviously, you know, Dumpty Dum's going through some changes and Quentin... Oh, is it David and Bowie? Changes. Quentin, Rose and I are going to be working really hard. So everyone keep the faith. We hold you, the community, at the heart of all of this. Faith No More. Is it trying by Faith No More? No. Stop. The song I have chosen is called It's Gonna Be Okay by The Piano Guys. Is it any good? I don't know it. Yes. Oh, my goodness. It's a positive life affirming. No. Is it any good musically? Look, just play the song with you. Stop judging my music choices. This is outrageous. I'm going to have to call my solicitor. There you go, folks. Let's hope that Philippa hasn't let not only herself down, but your ears down with her musical Mm. choice. And if she hasn't, it's been an awesome end to the show. If she has let you down, she won't be on it next week. So don't worry. (laughs) It'll be Rosie and it'll be Quentin. But from me, it's Tarara Bit. Look after yourselves. Be good. Tatty bye. How about you, Hall? Yes, I'm off to sort out some dum dum personalised pyjamas and I'll see everyone in two weeks' time. Doubt is a broken record there Plays inside my head I try to turn it down But I can't quite drown it out I'm tortured every day These never-ending worries Pulling on my sleeve so many times now I was supposed to tap out All the walls would fall down around me Or anybody would tell me Is all that bad news How it's gonna fall through But no matter what they say Or what they say It's gonna be, gonna be Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.